podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town. Scott's making a list, Grant's checking it twice, they're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketball's coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Ho, 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 boys. The boys are back for another episode of Bosco's Boys. Before we get into it, shout out to our sponsors, mybookie.ag. If you use promo code SPORTSDRINK, they're going to do something you can't do at just any run-of-the-mill sportsbook in Las Vegas, New Jersey, or anywhere else. They're going to give you a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That is a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 if you use promo code SPORTSDRINK. So get over there today, get your wagering in, because before you know it, it is bowl season the best time of the year to bet on sports. All right. Um, big week. It's been a big week. It's going to be a big week uh, in K-State sports. We're going to touch on basketball. We're going to touch on football. We'll do a little recruiting, a little bit of portal, a little bit of offensive coordinator, a little bit of just kind of macro K-State sports. Uh, we're going to start with basketball. We had our instant reaction live show Wednesday with the one-point loss to Marquette. And uh, I stand by everything that was in that. The only thing that I would kind of try to walk back is I was not aware when we did the instant reaction show. Again, we hit record right at the buzzer. Wasn't aware of the extent of the Selton Miguel injury. So that does kind of make some of the substitution patterns, the group that was in there late in the game, that decision makes a lot more sense with that knowledge. Uh, But ultimately, super disappointing game. And I think the fan reaction from that game um, is about what you would expect. Um, A lot of stuff was kind of talked about, uh, you know, during the week that that I'll touch on. But the first thing when it comes to just straight up results Um, I had an interesting conversation with some folks on Twitter. And let me preface this by saying, especially with seeing how spicy the Big 12 looks this year, um, I think it is far, far from a given. And like it's definitely not likely that it happens. And this is a much more improved team. I like this team. I like this basketball team a lot. But I don't think it is crazy to say that going 8 and 10 is not going to be likely. It's not going to be likely. I do think we can and will win out in the non-con. I think we're going to be capable of beating Nebraska on Sunday. I think we're going to be capable of beating Ole Miss in the SEC Big 12 uh, challenge. And I don't see really any other game that should 
be in question. Uh, but I had a tweet that it kind of sparked some stuff off that I said, look, even if we go 7-11, and we're still going to be on the bubble. And then a follow-up where I said, if we go 8-10, and we'll be in. Because I think with that Marquette loss, I think a lot of folks just, any sort of kind of holding on was just thrown out the window. Saying, oh, season's done. We're not going to the tournament. It's all over. Which, I'm not there yet. I'm obviously not there yet. But I think it was a logical reaction. That was a game that hurt a lot. It was a game that could have been won. It was a game that should have been won. Uh, but but I, I, I think what's being lost is in this season where the Big 12 has such great metrics in the net and Ken Palm and all these advanced metrics that the selection committee looks at, the Big 12 is through the roof. This is going to be a seven-bid league. It could be an eight-bid league. So that's why I think that assuming you get 7-11 puts you squarely on the bubble, in 8 and 10, you're in and you're not sweating. You will be a 9 or 10 seed going 8 and 10. Now, when you have Iowa State going undefeated to start the season, they're now in the top 20. TCU beating A&M. Oklahoma, quite frankly, just demolishing Arkansas. It's tough to sit here and say you see 8 and 10. Now, I think we're going to get our wins. I think ultimately we're going to have a winning season, not not going to have a winning season in the Big 12. I, I, that's, that's, I don't see that happening. The Big 12 is too good. I think 8 and 10 is our ceiling. Uh, and, and it sucks because you are drastically improved. You are a squad that I think is capable of big things. But it's just a bad combination. And again, the Big 12 is always good. I'm not trying to make mistakes. And I, if we don't get that 7-11, 8-10 type record, I'm not going to come on the show and say that Bruce Weber should come back. No, I, I think the Bruce Weber experiment will be done. Uh, but it does suck to have this squad, a squad that is fun to watch with a lot of fun personalities, uh, have to go up against, again, a an all-time type great, at least in depth-wise, with the Big 12. It sucks, but them's the bones. And again, Bruce Weber's paid millions upon millions of dollars to compete in the Big 12. And he can't use, oh, this is a great Big 12, as an excuse to try to keep his job if he goes 4-14. and 14. And I don't think that's going to fly. I, I don't. But I still think that if this team can win a bunch of the 50-50s, if they can win in the margins, they still can find a way into the NCAA tournament. Until we hit that 12th loss in Big 12 play, I'm going to kind of hold out that hope, and I'm sure folks are going to get annoyed turning on this episode every Monday or dialing into the live shows on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And it's a preemptive sorry for that. Um, but until we hit that, I'm going to hold out hope because there's talent on this team. This team is capable. Uh, so we'll just have to continue to wait and see what happens. Uh, they had a game versus Green Bay before we get into that. I, I talked about it. Our live shows on Spotify Green Room. I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think the plan is going to be to go live Wednesday. We'll do a little bit of signing day talk, a little Christmas talk, maybe even a little bit of trash talk on Nebraska. Um, Wednesday, 7 p.m., 
live on the live show. Um, just have a little fun. Uh, there is no midweek basketball game, but I think that will be the plan. We'll go live 7 p.m. on Spotify Green Room. Uh, so they, they played versus Green Bay, and Green Bay is not a good team. They're not a good team. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, you beat Green Bay, what was it, by 18 points. Oh, you know, this is a sign of how great we are. No, Green Bay sucks. It's fun to score 82. It's fun to score 82. Um, but I, I think we did cover. I think we did cover. Um, but it's it's what you needed to do versus a Green Bay team. You know, we probably gave up more points than I wish we would have. But we looked good. You know, you pull up the box score. And I'm starting to think that Marquise Noel, and this is going to be the kiss of death. I'm starting to think Marquise Noel, when he is on, is our best player. He went 7 of 13, 4 of 7 from 3, 4 of 4 from free throw. Nigel Pack was back, played 15 minutes, went 2 of 5 from field, 1 of 3 from uh, 3. Got six points in his debut. I think we are going to see a lot of minutes of these two together. I actually think that you're going to see them start together. Now, that's going to create a lot of mismatches. When you have two guys under five foot nine starting for you, uh, that's, that's going to cause some issues. But I don't see a way where you can't be giving both these guys 30 minutes. Marquise Noel, for all the warts, which there are some, is one of our five best players, and I don't think you can, I don't think you can realistically tell him he can't play starter minutes. Uh, Ish Masood, uh, thirty-one minutes, five of five from the field, hitting four three-pointers, got seventeen points. Mark Smith, fourteen points. Bradford, six points. Nigel Pack, six points. Luke Kasuki, two. Landers, four. Selton Miguel started because Mike McGraw was out, got six points. Went two of five from the field. Only one assist, which is bad. And two turnovers. Here's the thing with Selton Miguel. Three turnovers, excuse me, three turnovers. He's still battling that knee injury. He got his minutes up to 27. When the guy is on, he is the best player on the team. But when he's off, he just has way too many head-scratching moments. And I think that's kind of the issue with this team as constructed. Both Selton Miguel, both Mark uh, and Marquise Noel can be so good. They can distribute, they can get to the rim, they can make plays. But some nights when they're off, they make some of the most head-scratching, frustrating plays in basketball. And I think what is going to stop this team from maybe making that step forward, maybe getting to that eight-win threshold in the Big 12 is the fact that you can't get both of them seemingly to be on in the same night. If you could, this team could be unstoppable. Now, I shouldn't say that because, as we've said, the Big 12 is great. I mean, look at what Baylor did to Villanova. I mean, the Big 12 is stacked. Big 12 sacked. But if you could get the, both these guys on and on the same night, distributing, playing off of each other, hitting their outside shots, taking smart shots, 
this could be a really good team. But sadly, we have yet to see a game where both of those guys are on. And that is why I think we are going to struggle to kind of break through the ceiling for this team. So, ultimately, 82-64 versus Green Bay, you're going to take it. It was a great shooting night, which was good to see. 52% from three, 88% from free throw, 54% from the field. You like to see it. Um, You probably would have liked to hold Green Bay a little bit lower shooting from the field. They shot 47%. I don't like letting them get to the free throw line 23 times and us only getting there 17. But all in all, how much can you really, you know, argue with that type of game? Um, Mark Smith got a double-double, which was nice. Led the team with 10 rebounds. And again, Davion Bradford is working his workload up. 18 minutes, 2 of 2 from the field. Casey Eziegu, uh only played 6 minutes. Ish Masood played a lot of time at the five. Uh, Easy Agu only played, like I said, six minutes, two of two from the field, one of two from the free throw. He had, he was in foul trouble early and often. Can't have that, especially when you need when when you need him in big games. So hopefully we'll see what happens. Um, big game up in Lincoln, Nebraska on a Sunday. Um, debating whether or not I'm going to go up there. Uh, I think it could be a fun game. I. I'm nervous for that one. Nebraska is not good. You need to win it, and you need to win it emphatically. Again, I don't think that there's anything that can be done to win back fans for this year. But if you lose to Nebraska, it's over, and we're going to be stuck with a very miserable winter, um, just trying to get through the winter, Um, and and it's not going to be good. So that that isn't really one where, similar to Wichita and to – Marquette, where it's like, okay, this could be a quote-unquote resume type game. No. Losing to Nebraska is a bad loss. You cannot have that. So I'll be nervous for that one. I hate Nebraska, so I'd really like to see us win that one. I think the key is going to be minimizing turnovers, maximizing distribution, and hitting your shots when they're there. So um, that those are my thoughts. Um, one thing that I do want to touch on, because this was a hot topic um, and sure enough, I think anything Bruce ever says is a hot topic because um, the, the topic was about attendance. And he prefaced it, and he doesn't get credit for this um, because everyone wanted to drill him for everything he said afterwards. But he said, you know, the first and foremost thing to get a full house again is they have to win, which is 100% the number one thing. But then he talked about playing the midweek games, talked about Manhattan's location, then he was grilled by fans for doing it. Now, he's 100% right. Win and everything will take care of itself. I don't think Bramlage will ever. I think Brad Underwood could come and be the coach next year. And I think, you know, he could have us being a Big 12 contender. And I don't think we're ever going to see what we saw in the early Frank years where you sell out the season with season tickets. I think those days are long gone. Uh, COVID has something to do with it. The evolution of how fans take in sports has something to do with it. Now, we saw those years, and we saw season tickets sell out the entire arena before. So I understand that it has been done. The evolution of how sports 
or watched by fans has changed a lot since those years, and COVID only accelerated it. And then you take into account Manhattan's location. Everything Bruce said is right. Everything and, and fans don't like to hear it. You know, the old people want to talk about, oh, you know, a hern. It was always rocking. It was always rocking. It was always rocking. Well, that's not true. There are plenty of folks who have chimed up and said, actually, weeknight games versus bad opponents, even back then, even when you have good teams, it wasn't always rocking. Even all those games where, you know, you sell out the entire season with season ticket holders, it wasn't rocking on weeknight games in the chairback sections. Because for better or worse, and again, folks don't want to hear this. Everyone's pissed off. I was trying to say this during football season. People didn't want to hear it. When you have a fan base that is so far away from Manhattan, when the majority of your season ticket holders for football and basketball and the majority of your historic ticket holders for football and basketball are two hours away in Kansas City and Wichita, the majority of them. Think about this. The majority of the ticket holders for men's basketball and football all live over 50% of the non-student ticket holders live more than two hours away. Of course, it's going to be tough to have that atmosphere, to have that building packed on Wednesday nights, on games that are played on eight on week weeknights. That's tough. It's tough. And people don't want to hear it because it's Bruce is the one who's saying it. And they want to say, oh, it's only because of Bruce. And, oh, uh, it's only because we suck. Well, here's the thing. He said, you know, winning fills arenas. And it does. And it does. Things would be a lot better if we were coming off back-to-back seasons where we are NCAA caliber teams instead of historically bad seasons. Yes, the arena would be better. But it, it doesn't matter. Even versus Marquette, that Marquette game where the students showed up. But, again, keep in mind, the student section now is half the size of what it was just as recently as 2014. Half the size. Half the size. So again, good on the students, but let's you, you have to continue to look at how things have changed in K-State athletics. But even if we were coming off of a Sweet 16 team last year, that game versus Marquette was never going to be absolutely full in the chair back and the alumni in the non-student sections. And people don't like hearing that. But until folks accept the new reality of sports and the challenges of getting people to Manhattan, Kansas on an 8 p.m. game on a Wednesday, you're just going to continue to set yourself up for disappointment and stupid fights on the internet. It is what it is. It sucks. I don't like it any more than you guys do. But until... We accept some of the reasoning. You can't get creative and come up with solutions to improve it outside of just winning. Which, again, I think the winning is going to come. It's not going to be enough, I don't think, to save Bruce's job. And I think whoever the next guy is hopefully will get us back in the NCAA tournament. But even that won't be enough. And there's going to have to be creative conversations, creative solutions by the athletic department to improve on whatever the new normal is going to be. 
Now, before we get into what's going on with football, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Symbol. Use promo code BOYS for a risk-free deposit. That means if you don't like Symbol, the market, which is the stock market for sports, buy a team, they win, you get a dividend payout. If their value goes up, guess what? Buy low, sell high. Take K-State football to the moon. If you don't like it, you lose money, or the market isn't just for you, Symbol will refund your deposit 100% back if you use promo code BOYS. So get over to Symbol today. Check them out. All right. Uh, K-State football uh, signing day, early signing day, which is really the major signing day is happening this week. They got two commits over the late week weekend. And one of them I am super excited about. The other one I'm going to tell you guys to just trust the football staff on this one. Just trust the football stuff. I know there's a segment of the football fan base that doesn't trust the football staff, but I'm going to tell you to trust them. But before I get to that one, the one that I'm excited for is Jalen Clem. This guy is one of the highest rated guys in our recruiting class. He's a top 50 tackle in the class of 2022. His dad is a coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The guy is 6'5", 262, and he is hyper-athletic, has great technique already. I, again, I'm not going to pretend that I'm some great film watcher, but what I do watch is like, okay, this guy is going to be able to play in his red shirt freshman year. He's not going to play as a true freshman. He's not. He's not going to be ready that quick. But he's going to play as a red shirt freshman. And this guy had offers from Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Nebraska, Kentucky, NC State, Vanderbilt, Washington, Tulane, and a bunch others. This is a real deal pickup. He's a top 15 recruit in the state of Pennsylvania. This was a great win by the staff. This was a great win. This is going to be another great offensive lineman that Connor Riley pulled in. And hopefully he develops them into an all Big 12 type player, just like he did with Cooper Beebe. And Cooper wasn't as highly recruited, but he was recruited. Cooper wasn't some out-of-nowhere find. And they've done well with the offensive linemen. They've found diamonds in the rough, and they've won some recruiting battles. I'm very excited to see what this guy can turn into. I think Connor Riley is a guy that you have to fight tooth and nail to protect and keep him around. He's a good recruiter. He's good at developing guys. And I think soon you're going to start seeing him put guys into the NFL. I don't think I need to sell anyone on this recruit. I think ultimately he's going to be a top five type recruit. I think this is a massive pickup. Everyone should be excited about it. It's a, it's a recruiting win. It has just about everything you could want within reason. You know, again, I understand folks want... Four stars, five stars. This is a high three star. This is as close as it gets to a four star as it gets. And it's a major recruiting battle in a high talent state. This was a good this was a good pickup. Now the other one that we got, and I'm gonna tell you why you don't have to be excited, you don't have to be throwing parades over it. But I want everyone to trust the staff with this one. Donovan Ryman out of Oklahoma. Now, you go to him and he's the exact opposite. He's not 
ranked by rivals. If you look at his offer sheet, it's some Ivy League schools. But this is a guy who is 6'4", 230. He's an athletic kid. He knows how to get off the ball fast. His recruitment looks a lot like Felix Andike Uzama. I think it's unfair to try to compare the two. Felix is an All-American candidate. This guy, you know, is still 17. He'll be 18 when he gets to campus. So that'd be unfair to the kid. But if you look at the guys who this staff has brought in on the edge, they've been studs. This is the one position that I don't think they have a miss yet. So that's why I would tell folks to not worry about the star rankings, not worry about, okay, who was going after him with guys that we are bringing in on the defensive end spot, on the edge spot, on the edge rusher spot. And and the class is going to come close to being finalized, at least the high school and JUCO recruiting class. Here midweek, you know, early signing day is almost here. Um, This, they haven't, I, I think they have failed at flipping Newth, the South Dakota quarterback who's committed to uh, many or Minnesota. And that in itself isn't a failure. But not getting a high school quarterback is something that bothers me, that I think is going to haunt the staff. That is something that I think they wanted to get done and they didn't. Now, there's still a few more days and then there's still the late signing period. But I, I just... Uh, it's frustrating. That That is my biggest frustration with this class. Actually, that's not even true. But it's a frustration with this class. Another one is you don't get any of these super highly contested Kansas kids. Now, there is hope maybe you flip one of them near signing day. And I, it looks like, unless we're going to get a surprise on Wednesday, that they have not done that. Now, that, that's, that's a tough ask. If you look at where some of these kids went, it's a tough ask, or where they're going to go. And they, they put up a fight, and I, I understand why folks might say, oh, that's not enough, that's not enough, that's not enough. Okay. But I've seen th- them continue to find diamonds in the rough, continue to hit on a handful of contested guys. And I like the way the class looks. Is it good enough to compete for a Big 12 title? Probably not, but guess what? The entire game has changed. The entire game has changed. You know, the transfer portal now is going to account for close to half of what teams bring in. And this staff has been great in the transfer portal. Adrian Martinez is back on campus uh, I I was holding out. I was thinking we were going to be able to talk about it on this podcast, uh, about it becoming official. Still hasn't. Um, but I think it's going to be Adrian Martinez is coming in. They've had a handful of high-profile, highly contested defensive guys in this week as well. Now, you have to get them in. You have to finish the deal. But we saw how well they did last year. We saw a lot of these transfers become corner pieces in this team. Now, if they can do the job again, get in Adrian Martinez or a better quarterback, still not 100% diehard on that 
on that wagon. But it looks like that's the way it's trending. I think they can win some games. They're going to be get, going to Arlington? Probably not. But no one thought Baylor was going to either. I still trust this staff, their ability to identify talent, and to coach them up. So I'll be excited to see what happens in the next couple of days. I think you're going to see a few more commits. I think you're going to see some transfers jump on board. And I think it's going to be an exciting kind of sprint towards early signing day. Stay tuned over at K-State Online. They're going to have all the coverage you need. And I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, before we wrap this up, again, shout out to our sponsor, MyBookie.ag, promo code SPORTSDRINK, for a 100% deposit match up to 1000 Dollars. All right. Um, keep in mind, we will be going live Wednesday, Spotify Green Room at 7 p.m. Kind of do a signing day wrap up, talk K State Nebraska basketball, maybe some Christmas traditions. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff going on in the K State fan base. Um, I threw a lot of stuff out there, and I think a lot of it folks won't necessarily agree with. Uh, tweet me at Scott Wildcat if you want to have some dialogue this week. I always love a little banter. Let me know your thoughts on everything. Uh, but I, I, this is what I would say. This is my December plea to you. Uh, one K-State sports related, one not K-State sports related. I would say try to enjoy the good moments where you can. Um, we, we don't really have an offensive coordinator update. Sounds like Tim Pulisic's stock is going down. No one else really stock rising. Um, but Messingham is gone. There's there's no other coaching changes right now that are eminent that you need to be campaigning for. You have a fun bowl game here in a couple weeks. There's nothing that can drastically change about this upcoming recruiting class. I think there are some guys to really be excited about, including Toby O. I think that it's okay to try to be excited, to try to have fun, especially when there really isn't anything else to do. You still have a football bowl game, and then you have the offseason, and then you have another football season. I don't think it's a productive use of energy to be melting down over stuff that, quite frankly, you don't need to melt down about. Now, with basketball, again, I, th- these are just kind of what I'm throwing out there. I probably phrased it wrong because I'm doing this whole, I'm, not, I'm trying not to tell people what to do. But ultimately, Bruce Weber is going to be fired if he doesn't win enough games this year. I know people want to get their jokes off about the last two years. We've talked about it on this show why it didn't happen. I'm not going to re-legislate it, but there's no use, and I don't see any value in rooting for this team to lose or for just burying the kids or melting down after every single loss or because a win isn't by enough points. Especially in December. Look, when, when it gets to February, when it gets to March, when it's time to make the decisions, okay, go wild. But I, 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 it's just getting exhausting looking at message words that tweets. And it's everyone's prerogative, but I, I would just say, come on, take a deep breath. It's not even Christmas yet. Try to just take the games for what they are, at least until February. Now, that'll probably get me roasted more than any other anything else that I've said, and that's fine. Do what you want, but I just think it is a lot more fun to watch this team play college basketball 
if you're not doing it through a burn it down lens. The time will come for you guys to be able to do that again. Like I said, you know, once it gets to February, I'm not even going to try to, you know, present a, a reason not to. It's not even Christmas yet. Got a big game versus Nebraska. I want to beat those motherfuckers really bad. So I hope we do. My final thing is we saw K-State fans step up in a great way. Ryan Hennington was doing a fundraiser to be able to take some kids in the Manhattan community out Christmas shopping for themselves and for their families. And K-State fans blew it out of the water, up over $10,000 raised. Uh, During this Christmas season, it doesn't have to be something K-State related, but find a charitable that you like and if you have the means donate if you don't find the time to volunteer this is the time to give back so i would say if you have the ability please consider doing so that's all we got yell at me on twitter for being too soft come to the live show on wednesday spotify green room at 7 p.m have some fun with us we love you guys merry christmas and uh, let's have a good week what do you say On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, on the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five five golden rings. Four calling three French hens, turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to Christmas, my true love gave to me. Eight ladies dancing, seven ladies dancing, six ladies dancing, five. You better not shout, you better not cry, you better not in a pear tree on the ninth. On the eighth, on the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Seven becomes a swimming six, a lake, five golden rays. Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, three come boys, and there I be decked with base and partridge in a pear tree. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eleven pipers piping, ten loads of leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids and milking, seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my I have a little dreidel. I made it out of clay, and hey, when it's dry whoa, and ready, whoa, 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 a dreidel whoa, whoa, I shall whoa, play. Whoa, oh, hey, dreidel! Whoa. Twelve days of Christmas. What? Yeah, Christmas. Eight, eight days of Hanukkah. Oh, it's a Christmas medley. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. On the twelfth day, my true love gave to me. Twelve drummers drumming like Olympus above the Serengeti. Eleven pipers piping, ten lords
partridge in a big pear tree. Partridge in a big pear tree. Sports Social Podcast Network.